Thank you, Ted. Thank you very much. Grab your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn again there to 1 Peter chapter 4. And while you're finding your place, it's a delight to be here. Man, I love to see a church that's alive, doing things. And that Ted and his musical team, don't you appreciate them? I think you ought to show your appreciation. At least he got me worshiping this morning. It's what I love, and it's, I'm so glad to be here. It's uh, Dr. Ralph Porter that put me up to this. Some of you remember Ralph and Helen, they were here, and I'm so pleased you have such a neat new pastor. Man, he's a handsome dude. <laughs> but what I appreciate so much in a service like this is just to feel the pulse of a church that really cares. I, I just rejoice. I thank God for every one of you and the outreach this church has around the world. I don't think probably everyone realizes how many missionaries are out there because of this church. This is a lighthouse to the world. There are over 30 missionary units out there, and Katrina's just the newest one of those that we saw this morning. It's an ongoing effort to reach the whole world, and you heard it in the pastor's prayer. I'm, I'm just amazed. Here's a church where every dollar you put in that plate 25 cents is going to reach the world. So it makes you want to give all the more. I keep telling people, don't give till it hurts. It's not biblical. God loves a what? A cheerful giver. So give till you're happy. If you're not happy, just give a little bit more. <laughs> and watch God work. But I love to see a church that cares for the world. I've dedicated my life to this, and I just love to see people like you involved in touching the whole world. Now we've already prayed, but I always like to talk to the author before we look at the book. Lord, we do pause again this morning to ask that you might speak to us. We've sung it, and it's so true. We are nothing. We have nothing apart from you. We know our human limitations. Lord, we're fully aware that spiritual work is beyond us, and we ask for that this morning, that as we open your word, we can hear your voice and that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Guide us to that end, I pray, for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. It was probably the most touching story I've ever heard of a person who was willing to pay the price to follow Christ, the cost of following Christ. That was over in Korea, Seoul, Korea, training missionary candidates from Korea to reach the world. And I don't know if you're aware that per capita in the church, Korea is sending more missionaries out than we are. So here I was with this class. Two weeks in duration, I had a Sunday in the middle of two weeks. So I spoke at a church there in Seoul, Korea. They had three morning services, a thousand in every service. It is a dynamic place for the glory of God. After the third service, five elders took me out to lunch. And I discovered three of the five had come from North Korea. And one of those men told me this story. During the Korean War, he said, a group of believers were at a little chapel up there in North Korea when communist soldiers barged in. They were armed. And one of the soldiers said, all right, everybody, get up. They got off their knees. He said, line up against the wall. They got over there. Then that soldier ripped the picture of Christ off the wall and threw it down on the floor and says, one by one, you will come by here, spit on this picture, and curse his name. 
first three in line were men of the church. They did what the soldier said. They spit on the picture of Christ. They cursed his name. Fourth one in line was a high school girl. She came up before that picture and she dropped to her knees. And with her skirt, she tried to wipe the spittle off. And she said, go ahead and kill me. I cannot curse his name. He said, get up. They blindfolded that girl and the three men and marched them outside the chapel. The people inside heard three shots. They killed those men. But they came in with the girl alive. And the soldier said, anyone who gives up what they believe that easily is not fit to be a communist. And they walked out. When he told me that story, I thought, what would you have done if you'd have been in that line? And I ask you that question. It's so easy to say things, but to live this life and really mean it. In that case, here's three men who thought they were saving their lives and they were all killed. And a young lady who was willing to pay the price, the cost of following Jesus, is still alive in Seoul, Korea. She's a housewife down there to this day. And that's what the theme is this morning. And it was a sign to me. I know it would be a lot more fun for me in a way and a lot easier just to come with some canned presentation of some part of the Bible, but I'm not here because I was sent this topic. And I thought, man, this is a tough one. The cost of following Jesus in this world today. I like to talk about the blessings and all the wonderful things. I'm trying to get people involved. I'm not going to talk about the cost. But that was assigned to me. And the verse was given here from 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 4 that you just heard. And uh, so I got in this passage. And here we are in 1 Peter 4. You ready for this? Whether, whether you are or not, <laughs> we're going on. And I, I have to use my glasses to see I'm at the 5B stage. Bald, bifocals, bridge, bulge, and bunions. Got them all. <laughs> I can't even remember where they are. <laughs> no, I'm grateful for the opportunity to open the word here and see this. This is a, a passage, as the book is about suffering. And there is suffering. And I, I've already heard some of the stories right here in this congregation. There are trials. There are difficulties. And this is a beautiful passage for us to see. There's some cost involved in serving Jesus, following Jesus, and it's right here. So let's take a look at this. And if you have your bulletin, there's a little outline. I sent that up. I didn't realize it's going to be right there. So you can follow along if you want to put a little notes in the side or just relax and just listen. <laughs> You're a great room. I tell you, you put up with anything here. For one Sunday. First Peter 4 says, therefore, and I need to stop at that first word because you are good Bible students. I know you. You see the word therefore, you say, what is it therefore? There's a reason for that. Therefore, summary of chapters 1, 2, 3, but I just jump back to 3 to see what it's there for. Look at 3.18. 3.18 says, for Christ died for sins once for all the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. And of course, that's our, our spirit of worship. It's He who has done all this for us. And therefore, I like that, therefore, since Christ suffered in His body, arm yourselves, be prepared with the same attitude because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil 
human desires, but rather for the will of God. Now, I've divided this chapter in three, the three paragraphs that are in my translation. This is the New International Version, NIV. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. We can't even read in unison in the church anymore because we have so many translations. Did you notice that? Sounds like a tongues meeting. <laughs> then you have to wait for these amplified people that go on and on and on. <laughs> so whatever translation you have there, you can see it, that as Christ suffered, we suffer, but rejoice in that because we have a new life in him. So in your outline, if you notice in this first paragraph, I put this down. Here's some advantages in the trials. There's advantages in paying the cost. There are advantages in the suffering. And the first one is a changed purpose. Did you see what this said? We no, no, no longer live out there and live like the rest of the world, but for the will of God. Did you see it? It's right there. We have a new purpose. It's for the will of God. Who am I to come here this morning? Come up here from Dallas and enjoy this nice, sunny spring weather of Minnesota. <laughs> I never thought of missions till my last year at Dallas Seminary. I had gone to college, University of Nebraska. Then I was in the Navy for three years on a destroyer. That's real Navy. Got out of the Navy and up to Ohio State University to get prepared in contact lens fitting, and they offered me a position right there at the eye clinic, and that's what I did. Before I went to seminary, I was fitting contact lenses and artificial eyes at Ohio State University Eye Clinic. But then the Lord touched my heart for ministry. I never thought of missions, never entered my mind, but I headed to Dallas. My second year, married to my dear little wifey. I wish she could be here with me to meet all of you and see you. She teaches high school, so she's occupied. And here I am all alone. But I was with my wifey down there for the last three years. And in the final year of seminary, my wife and I went to a missions banquet. They had round tables. And, and we don't remember to this day if someone gave us tickets for this or if we bought tickets. All I know is we were there. And I remember the day very well. That night, started uh, getting acquainted with a man who was next to us. Newberry Cox was his name, a little short man. And he started getting acquainted with me, asked me questions. He said, uh, what do you do? And I said, I'm a seminary student. Oh, he said, at Dallas Seminary? I said, yes, sir. He said, what year? I said, I'm in my fourth year. And then you know the next question, you just wait for it. What do you plan to do <laughs> when you graduate? Well, I said, I'd like to be a pastor or a Christian education director of some church. He said, have you ever thought about doing that overseas? I said, no, sir. You mean you've never considered missions? I said, no, sir, this is a missions banquet. <laughs> and he took off. He started relating his experience of serving in Guatemala. And because of a heart attack, he had to return. But the more he talked, the more I thought, why haven't I considered this? So we went back to our seminary apartment. I wish you could have seen the dump we lived in. I mean, it was just terrible. A rat died in the wall. <laughs> but we did not have a single cockroach. They were all married and had hundreds of kids. That was the problem. I mean, it was a mess. You'll get it if you think about it. At any rate, 
I, we, had, we had furniture. We had early Halloween is what we had. And that old broken down couch, I discovered my wife had been praying behind my back. Her prayer went something like this. Lord, you know I'm ready to go to the mission field, but now I'm hooked up with him. If you want me to the mission field, you've got to get him to the mission field. And when she told me that that night, I said, honey, let's do it. Greatest decision we ever made in our lives. Headed down to Central America. First in Guatemala, then El Salvador. Working with all six countries at that point in Christian education. Then we led the team over to Spain, and man, was that exciting. We started the first Protestant evangelical church of any kind in the entire province in Segovia. And I just was back for the anniversary, and now it's multiplied to six churches where there were none. And then I was asked to come back to Dallas Seminary to teach, and I taught missions 17 years. Then I was president of our mission for eight years. Camino Global, it's called now. Then the Central American Mission. And uh, now I'm back at Dallas Seminary, uh, directing the Doctor of Ministries in Spanish. ¿Cuántos aquí hablan español? Levanta la mano para ver. Nadie. Ay, una. Gloria a Dios. I'm speaking in tongues right now, in case you're wondering. But here we have 32 Latin leaders who've gotten their doctorate from Dallas and they did it all in Spanish. And I would have missed all of that if I hadn't said yes. Now I'm not saying that every one of us should follow that plan. That's the plan God had for us. And I'm so grateful I was ready to say yes to the will of God. And I would ask for all of us to do that. We're open. Before God says, this is what I want you to do, yes should be on your lips. It's the will of God. That's our new purpose. It's right here in the text. Look at number two, the second great advantage. Change practice. We're different. It's right here in the text. Look at verse three. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation. And they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. We're not into that world. God has changed us. And we should all rejoice. It's a diff we're different people. We're not going to go without that muck. And it says they may not understand us. And the fact that word there, it says they, they heap abuse. That word in Greek is, is uh, blasphemantos, or blasphemy. They blaspheme us. They don't understand us because we're different. Aren't you glad we're different? Do I get an amen? Oh, man. We have a wholesome, wonderful life in the Lord. So we changed our practice. And number three, we changed proclamation. We have a new proclamation. I love this verse six. Look at this. For this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The gospel was preached. And that's our responsibility. God has chosen us to be his witnesses to a lost world. 
And I look over this whole congregation, I think, and this is second service. I mean, this is beautiful. Praise God for the light here. We're just basking in the light. But I can see you all out there touching lives just by the way you live. And I hope you chatter the good news when you have opportunity. I love to talk to people about the Lord. And I find most of the ones who don't know the Lord out there on airplanes. You know, I'd love to talk to people on planes because they're strapped in. They can't get away from you. You got them. <laughs> on the way up here, let me use the most recent illustration. Guys, on this side of me, my first experience was with Spirit Airlines. I hope you're not coming to get me. <laughs> you're wonderful. You can't get by with anything in here. Okay, here's this guy over here. I'm here and one seat between us. And I discovered it's his first time with Spirit Airlines, too. And that was a great bargain. And that's the way to fly now. Of course, they charge you a fortune just for your bag, even if you carry it on. $3 for a bottle of water. I said, no thanks. And now we go. At any rate, here we are in this flight. So you say, well, how do you get started with people like that? You don't even know. Oh, it's real simple. Try this. I use a little formula. F-O-R-M. F, family. I ask questions. Let's get acquainted. Ask him about his family. What's he doing on this trip? He's coming up to visit his mother who is celebrating her 90th birthday in Minneapolis. And he's originally from up here in Minnesota. He's down in Texas now. And we're talking about families. Two sons. I could tell you all kinds of things about his family. That's the first one, family. F, O, occupation. What type of work you do? Who doesn't like to talk about that? He talked about fiber optics business he's in. He started in West Texas and he's working in Dallas now and all this stuff about what he's doing. It was fun. Family, occupation, religious background. You don't breathe hard and say, do you have a religion? No, no. Just like the other questions. He didn't hesitate. He said, I really don't have one. Oh, I said, what about your mother? Yeah, she was Lutheran. And I thought, in fact, I even said, that sort of fits for Minnesota. A lot of Lutherans up there. And uh, I said, you know, I don't think religion's what we need. And who am I to talk to you about religion? I would like to talk to you about a relationship with God. F, family, O, occupation, R, religious background, M, message, we're already sliding into home. And we had already established a friendship. In fact, I really feel he's a friend. He has my card. I have, we're going to keep in touch. And... Uh, I, I tell people, I don't believe in cold turkey evangelism. I like to warm up the turkey. <laughs> and we have a friendship going on. So here's what I did. I said, let me show you what a guy showed me in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I pull out my, my business card. And on the back of the business card, I draw my little tract. Here's what I drew for him. Can I use my PowerPoint now? Can you see it? You're a great bunch. I drew a little cloud up here on the card and put the word God in there. And I said, God is holy. And I said, when the guy showed me this in Milwaukee, I knew this, and you already know that. God is holy. And he agreed. Then I, I drew below the cloud there, I drew this circle. We're down here on this earth. All mankind. I wrote the word man. And we had a problem down here. It's called sin. I wrote that in. He's perfect. We're not. You already knew that. I knew that. But now let me show you what he, he showed me that was revolutionary to me. I started drawing little arrows up. 
I said, most religions will tell you the same thing. You've got to reach up to God. And I drew one a little higher than the other. Some people do a little better than others. But no one makes it or they'd be God. And they tell you, I need to try a little harder. I wrote the word try out here. And then I crossed it out. The Bible doesn't say that. Listen now. The Bible says God commended his love toward us. Can you see the big arrow coming down? In that while we were yet sinners like we all are, Christ died for us. And I do the cross. The God-man bridges the gap. The only one that was ever perfect died in my place and in your place on that cross. The word is not try. The word is trust. And I wrote the word T-R-U-S-T, trust. Put all of your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and he gives us eternal life. It's really quite simple to talk to people about the Lord. He's wide open. I wish I could tell you that he prayed with me right then to put his trust in Christ. I gave him that opportunity. I said, you could walk off this plane with that trust. But he says, I'm gonna work on that. Here's what I ask him, by the way, and you can use this one too. Would you say you've already made that decision or are you somewhere along the way? He said, I guess I'm somewhere along the way. Because that's like saying sickum to me. <laughs> so pray for him. And I honestly believe, that's why I gave him my business card, he will let me know when he's done that. But you see how simple it is? Please, chatter the good news. And if you never get beyond family talking to people, at least we're starting in the process of reaching out to people. Chatter the good news. It's right here. Chatter the gospel. And maybe this will help too. If you're going to use this on planes, I love to use a plane as the illustration. I told him, you know, this is the perfect illustration of intelligent faith. I don't even know if that guy has a license. You don't either <laughs> on that airplane. And if I didn't know better, say, we're going to get to Minneapolis in this big hunk of metal? No. We know that that's the way to get there. I told him the dumb faith is to stand on the tarmac and say, I'm going to Minneapolis. <laughs> and that's what most religions are telling you to do. No, he's done it all. And uh, in fact, the plane adds an added illustration. See, we fasten our seatbelts in Christ. And it's not what they paint on the tail. Spirit, American, U.S. Airways. Who cares what they paint on that tail? That's not where my trust is. Of course, you have to have a little more trust for spirit. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Probably got a spirit pilot out here going after me. Do you see, though, this, this wonderful passage? The advantages in trials. Changed purpose. Changed practice. And changed proclamation. Second paragraph. Our approach to trials. How are we going to handle these things? Anyway, they're not easy. Watch this. In verse 7. Second paragraph. The end of all things is near. Therefore, again, therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Did you notice in the outline I put out? Think prayerfully. Have a clear mind so you can pray. And I love this church. I just thank God that you're up here praying as you send out a missionary. And the elders are here in the the mission board and I've seen prayer going on all around this place already and I thank God for that please don't take that for granted and if I could say it that's the greatest thing you could do for missions pray Katrina's going out she 
desperately needs people to constantly be praying. Could I relate this story? Two ladies from Canada got stuck down in Costa Rica. Their husbands were agricultural experts working on the banana plantations as counselors. And here these two ladies didn't know a word of Spanish down in Costa Rica. They both knew the Lord. They'd get together every afternoon for tea. And one day one of the ladies said to her companion, look, we've got to do something. These people need to know our living Lord. We've only seen the dead Christ and the little babe in the manger. They need to know our living Lord. And the other one says, and what are we going to do? We don't even speak Spanish. And the other lady says, but God does. And he does. <laughs> so they started praying every day. God touched the heart of a pastor in Dallas, Texas by the name of C.I. Schofield of the old Schofield Bible. In his study of the book of Acts, he suddenly realized we have jumped over our Samaria, the countries of Central America. Missionaries were in South America, but nothing in Central America. So he got together with four laymen of the church in a little frame house in Dallas in prayer on their knees when they determined they would launch a new mission. <laughs> they called it the Central American Mission. As president, we discovered the old archives and the archives, the original financial records. The first offering was 50 cents. Think of that, 50 cents, five guys, and God. And uh, he put it in his bulletin the next Sunday. We have launched a new mission, the Central American Mission. Didn't say a word about the 50 cents, but here it is. A copy of this bulletin, now listen, got up to Minneapolis, Minnesota. A young couple just graduated from Bible college where they were planning to go to Africa. The door was closed. And they saw that in the bulletin. Get this. They headed to Dallas to report for duty. They were the first missionaries. They were soon on a banana boat going to what country? Can any of you guess? What country? Costa Rica. That's how we know about the two ladies who were praying every day. Now we hold our extension classes from Dallas Seminary, in the seminary down there. 1,320 students, Bible colleges, churches, clinics, hospitals, all because two ladies prayed every day. I wish we could feel that. So don't think that's just a little small thing. It's right here. Pray fervently. So we pray Think prayerfully. Number two, love deeply. Love deeply. Look at verses 8 and 9. Above all, love each other deeply. It's right here. Copyright God. I just stole it from him. Love deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And that I've seen here too in the church. I walked in this morning and someone took me around. I got acquainted with a lot of people. Even met Roger, the pillar of the church back there, who's going to give us soup. For lunch, you don't know about that. You're not invited. <laughs> but the hospitality, it was so warm, so beautiful. And don't ever lose that. Just keep that hospitality going. The love. And that's not some slushy thing. Man, I remember one guy down in Costa Rica. He was a fraile. Roman Catholic seminary student. And I said, what do you think we have to do to be saved? 
In Spanish, I'm talking, of course. He says, you know what I mean when I say salvo? Oh, si, claro que si, sure. He said, what do you think we have to do? I can still see this guy. Got a wistful look. Folded his hands. He said, el que ama es salvo. He who loves is saved. Isn't that sweet? Just love, everybody. <laughs> that is not love. That's supersaturated solutions of slush is what that stuff is. No! Real love is where you care deeply for one another. And that's here. And thirdly, we think prayerfully, love deeply, and then serve faithfully. Look at verse 10. Each one, everyone, should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do so as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. See, you use your gifts and we're all different. Thank God we're different. And God wants to use whatever gift he has given you. I'm going to take a moment to tell you how you, you never know when God's going to use you. Let me give you a quick picture of this. Um, I came into the office as president at Camino Global and uh, started cranking up email. I thank God for email, for missions. And I got two messages that said the same thing. Gilberto Oriana has been imprisoned. Who's Gilberto Oriana? He was the director of the Symphony Orchestra of El Salvador. Touched by God to move out as a missionary with his wife and two teenage daughters, all of them accomplished musicians, to go to Morocco to reach Muslims for Christ. And Latins are marvelous at this, reaching Muslims. So here they are in Morocco, and get what happened. He was imprisoned because of his faith. And through his wife, we kept in contact. And I, I, I sat there as soon as I got the notice and said, what can we do? And I thought of people I could call. I called Dr. Pat Kate, president of Christar, who has worked in those Muslim countries. And I knew he had a similar problem. He put me onto some good contacts, like John Hanford, worked for Senator Luger, helping persecuted Christians on the road around the world. But the real contact was a friend I had at Moody Network, Network up in Chicago. And I got on the line, and I could tell by the music in the background, he was on the air. And as soon as I related the story, he said, no problem. As soon as the song's over, you're on. I love radio. I'm sitting in Dallas. He's in Chicago, and boom! The whole nation was being made aware of my friend, Gilberto. And that was the key. People began to pray. Now watch how God works. A guy from West Texas was visiting at a church like this in the very back area of the church, half tuned into the service. When one of the men of the church got up and says, uh, we need to pray for this man, I can't even pronounce his name, but he's been imprisoned in Morocco. And this cattleman from West Texas is sitting back there and says, Morocco? He says to himself, Morocco? I know the king of Morocco. He has the cattle of the king of Morocco as an investment, and he takes care of them. So he called me. He says, you suppose I could help you? <laughs> <laughs> to make the long story short, 
Gilberto and the five Muslim converts imprisoned with him all received a very serious sentence. The next day, they were all released. How did God do that? Cattlemen from West Texas. You never know when God's going to use you. Now we conclude. The acceptance of trials. We must accept them, and I'll just read to the end. Take a look at this. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. That's what James wrote. Remember that when he said, uh, Rejoice in the Lord always. Count it all joy. <laughs> when, not if, but when you go through trials. So we rejoice. You can rejoice in those sufferings. Number two, rely on God's protection. Look at verse 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. No, we don't suffer for that reason. No, they deserve their suffering. No, we're different. So we rely on God's protection. And finally, rec recognize the privilege it is to suffer. It's right here. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And now he quotes from Proverbs. If it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? And here's the conclusion. Just like the beginning of this chapter, therefore here he has, so then... If you're asleep, wake up. Here's, here's the answer. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to good, do good. Isn't that neat? Commit to God and continue because God wants to use you. It happened January 19th. A group called M-19, leftist guerrillas down in South America, barged into Wycliffe headquarters, looked for the director, couldn't find him. So they took a young man who was there, took him for ransom. His name, Chet Bitterman. They said, if you missionaries don't get out of our country by February 19th, we're going to kill him. Full view of his wife and kids, they took him and I was teaching classes at that time, and every class we prayed for Chet's release. And I remember when February 19th passed and we got the notice they had not killed him. They stayed the execution. I said, man, what a God we have. How he answers prayer. But I'll never forget March 7th. I was about to speak at a church in, near Washington, D.C., Barcroft Bible Church, when a man came to me in the foyer before the service and said, have you heard the news? Oh, I said, what news? The news about Chet Bitterman. They've found him wrapped in a flag on an abandoned bus. He's dead. I was shaken. I got off alone and said, God, what is going on? Thousands of us have prayed for his release. And it was as though God spoke to me. He has been released perfect release. He's with the Lord.
few years thereafter, I was at Lancaster, Pennsylvania to speak at a church there and met his parents. Wish you could meet his parents. From Chet's dad, I copied this little note that he had written. They found it in his personal effects. He wrote this before they took him captive. Listen to this. The situation in Nicaragua is getting worse. If Nicaragua falls, I guess the rest of Central America will too. Maybe this is just some kind of self-inflicted martyr complex. But I find this reoccurring thought that perhaps God will call me to be martyred for him in his service in Colombia. And then he wrote these words. I am willing. Man. I keep this in my Bible all the time. I think Chet had it all figured out in just three words. I am willing. And I don't want to prolong this service, but I have prayed long and hard last night, and I am convinced God wants me to give an invitation. I gave one in the first service. I want to give it here. And I'd like to be the first to respond. I'd like to renew that commitment. I don't have much time left in life. I'm 78, and it shows. And, uh, but I, I prayed last night, and I prayed this morning, God, I am willing. Whatever you want to do, Make it count. And I, I decided I'd give you that opportunity to share in a response to God. If you'd like to join me to say, I am willing, whatever you want, God, I am willing. I'd like to have you stand, but I'm going to ask you, please don't stand unless you mean it. And don't be embarrassed if you're seated. Someone else is standing, you're standing. Someone else is seated. That's perfectly all right. But if you'd like to say to God, as I want to say this morning, that renewed commitment to say it from my heart, I am willing. Why don't you just stand right where you are? But don't stand unless you mean it, please. Oh, praise God, man. is very moving and as I said in the first service I think God will take us up on it he's going to use us like he's never used us before God we stand humbly before you we don't have that much to offer but we thank you for your word and what you've asked us to do to commit and to continue now, Lord we say it from our hearts I am willing. Use us, O oh God, like you've never used us before. For your glory. In Christ's name. Amen. Why don't we all stand and we'll conclude. But I just want to thank you again for all you're doing. Thank you. God bless.